Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Oh, if you could. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. Take my hands. Take my hands, Lord. Take my feet. Touch my heart, Lord. Speak to me. You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. And when I grew up as a kid, there was no such thing as electricity. That's why uh, I'm not too fond of it. There was nothing left over, trust me, that you didn't use. Amen. All right. Are you thrilled to be serving God this morning? Amen. The crazier the world gets, the more exciting my life gets in serving God. Really, I mean. The more normal I find that God's people are. Yeah. <laughs> put the world in one hand and put God's people in. Yeah, wow, we're like normal. Yeah. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. And uh, to all of those that graduated or moved up into a different uh, uh, level of schooling, I apologize for not being here last Wednesday night. I I was uh, busy trying to plan, help plan our 50th Kennewick High School class reunion. And I'm not that old. I'm just saying. <laughs> they just asked me to be there to help them plan. All right, we're going to call your attention this morning to Genesis chapter number 3. We're going to read just one verse. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where are you? Amen. That is, that is the number one question to Dad's right? I think I'm a little bit echoey, Brother Cliff. It sounds that way to me, but maybe not. All right, amen, you may be seated. God the Father putting this question to the Father of the human race. God created all things. He is the Father of everything, seen and unseen. This is a question he was putting to Adam, the Father of the human race. How many of you enjoy answering questions? Questions that you children present to you. Right? One study on kids asking questions or findings were that four year old girls are the most inquisitive, asking get this to this. And uh, if it ain't going to work, all you got to do is tell me. Okay. But one study on kids asking to try to find out how many questions they ask today, they found that four-year-old girls are the most inquisitive, get this, asking an average of 390 questions a day. I don't buy into that, but you can Google it. 
And some of the most intriguing questions that kids have asked, why do the kids next door have more toys than I do? Or why do I have to invite that girl to my birthday party? Or here's a good one. Question asked to a swimming instructor, when do we learn how to breathe underwater? But here's something interesting. What parent do kids go to for when they need certain help in certain areas, all right? Moms, okay, the number one, the highest percentage that children go to moms for advice for, they say at 16.6%, is that when they have questions about cooking. The second highest, 13.6%, go to mom, get this, when they need advice in relationships. I don't know if that works for you, but now here, here's dads, all right? Number one, at 15.2%, I can vouch for this one. When kids have a question about home maintenance, they don't come to me, okay? <laughs> but the second one, at 13.6%, car trouble. I, don't, I won't fix it, but generally I can give you advice. Now, here's something interesting. Remember, when kids have or need advice in relationships, 13.6% of the time they go to mom. Guess what the percentage is that kids go to their dads if they have a challenge with a relationship? 0.8%. Okay, my advice to moms, you need to improve in car maintenance. Dads, we're good. But according to one poll that included 2,000 surveys, the top two questions parents are asked by their kids are, number one, where do babies come from? Number two, is Santa real? But let's shift gears here. You know what the first question that was ever asked in the Bible? We would know it if we looked at it, right? But did you know the adversary of your soul is on record of asking the first question? The first question is, did God really say? And the second question was asked by God to Adam, where are you? Amen. Our focus this morning is on that number one question of all time because the priority, of course, God wants to know where you are. And I know we're making reference to dads, but this can apply to each and every one of us here this morning. Can you say amen? amen? But it's a very interesting story. And he's not talking about geographically. You could Google it and would find that the city of Richland is about 46 degrees north and 119 degrees west, and we're about 300 feet above sea level, somewhere in that. But God said, you've got to remember, Adam's the firstborn, not by birth but by creation. He is the created Son of God. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. And I love 
that part of it because I always tell people that from the very beginning, God always wants to have his hands in your life. He wants to be involved in molding and shaping you into a vessel after his own image. And he breathed into his nostrils. No other living creature did God take this time and effort into designing and creating. Not only did he fashion us after his own image, the Bible says, but then he took the time to breathe. He breathed into Adam, and the Bible says, into his nostrils, and it became a living soul, which separated humans from all other life forms. Can you say amen? We became a living soul. That soul will never die. It will not die. It will live on forever in one place or the other. Oh, did God really say that? Adam was born and lived in the time period we call the dispensation of innocence. His mind, this is something that just boggles my brain because it's cluttered with 68 years of stuff, right? But Adam was born in that dispensation of time called innocence. His mind was pure. Come on now. Okay? His heart was pure. He did not have to filter out multiple voices competing for his attention. How many voices were there in the world at that point? Figure that one out on your own. As far as we know, his relationship with his father was in its purest form Absolutely perfection. One of these days we'll be there. One of these days we'll be back there. And I often wondered, we don't have any record of it, but I wonder how many questions Adam and Eve asked their heavenly father on any given day. You ever thought about that? They had to start receiving information, you understand. Their minds were blank. They were living and making history every day, every moment. All the information that they were receiving, get this, was from God. Something to consider here as we get going is that in the Jewish family life, when a son was three years old, his father began to teach him the law of the Lord. Okay? And then shortly after, the father would begin training his son in the family trade. Carpenter, fisherman, farmer, shepherd, those were the, the, main, the main trades. Now listen to this. At the age of 13, a son was considered to be an adult following the footsteps of his father. Know ye not that I must be about my father's business. Brings a whole new light on that, doesn't it? And Genesis 2.5, we're told that neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord had not sent rain to water the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground. The ground was watered by a mist that came up from the ground that watered the whole face of the ground. Verse number 8, listen to this. And the Lord planted a garden. Do you get that? 
It says, and the Lord planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And the Lord took the man, put him in the garden to till it and to tend it. Adam, guess what? It's not your garden. How would you like to be in charge with the Lord's garden that, did I read it correctly? The Lord planted a garden. And he said, Adam, now that I have formed you for a purpose, your purpose is I am putting you in this garden. And by the way, you read the story, even though the water, the ground was watered by a mist that came up, in the garden, God made a river to water the garden that he planted. And he said, Adam, your job, your purpose in life right now is to till the ground and grow the harvest. And here's the first commandment, verse number 16. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, It is. Every tree of the garden you may freely eat. In other words, the first part of the commandment, the commandment was, thou shalt not, but the commandment was, hey Adam, I want you to take a look around. I want you to enjoy the freedom and the liberty that I have created for you. I want you to enjoy life. Did he not? And then he said, he threw a but in there. He said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat it. For in the day, did God really say that? For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Okay? He throws the good out there. He throws the abundant life out there. He wants you and me to, to live and to experience life at the maximum. There's no reason for a child of God that knows his purpose in life to walk around with a frown on their face. He says, I want you to enjoy it. He says, but there are some things that you need to be aware of because if you touch and partake, it will create an environment that leads to death. And then he says, and the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make it fitting helper for him. We know the story. God gives Adam a wife. Okay, now listen carefully. Was Eve involved in the conversation between God and Adam? We have no record of it. Was she? Was she involved in that conversation? Do not eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Hold on to it. Okay? The first question on record we find asked in the Bible is asked by the deceiver, the liar. He said, Eve, did God really say? Could it be that she was not personally there during the conversation that she had to get it from the source, the head, the man. Did God really say, putting doubt, putting doubt into a world, putting doubt into this perfect world, the age of innocence, 
casting doubt over what he had said. Doubt is a prelude. Okay? To failure. Watch this. Here, we don't have any record here, but here, Adam, where are you? Are you simply watching from a distance? Bible scholars, maybe you know more than I do. Adam. The adversary is casting doubt in your family. Where are you? Are you busy? Or are you close enough to God and your family to stand in the gap and say... No! Scriptures are on record of God telling Adam directly, the Lord commanded the man, don't eat of that tree. Mercy enters into the story. They did not die at the moment of their transgression, but they did take on the slow death of sin. Are you with me? Which carries with it shame and guilt. Anybody ever been there? Hello? If you are a sinner, you've been there. And if there's no sinners here, wow, lead me to that place. We are told they hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Because of their shame, because of their guilt, then they heard the voice of the Lord God walking where? In the garden, in the cool of the day. And the Lord God called unto Adam, where are you? Notice God shows up where he placed Adam in the garden to keep it and to dress it which to me might imply that God would show up in his garden that he planted and he placed man there to take care of it. It would imply to me that just possibility that God would show up once in a while and see how the harvest was going and say, hey, Adam, you need to do a little bit more over here. Or he would say, Adam, whoa, the corn's doing pretty good, son. But the question here, Adam, he calls out, we've covered that, but let me just... Throw a little commentary in there. Adam, why have you left the harvest unintended? You know I show up to check in on you to see how you are doing. He wants to know how you are doing. Brother Ali, thank you for that lesson. He wants to know how you are doing. Can we just take a moment this morning and ask this question? Is this the place God has placed you? Well, apparently because you're here. If he placed you in Nova Scotia, then how did you end up here? Is our purpose still to work the ground 
to make sure there is a harvest? Are we looking at the harvest or are we drawn away by the attraction of the trees that are pleasing to the eye? Adam, this is not your garden. You are the caretaker of my garden. The blood atonement enters into the story. Adam and Eve are driven out of the garden. They have their first children, Cain and Abel. Cain, listen carefully. Okay? In the Jewish family, what happened? The father trained the son in the law. And I know we're moving forward here, but just I'm building a principle here. Is that the father trained the son in the law or what he knew that God had spoken truth. Adam was a little bit, you know, he was restricted. He could only tell Cain and Abel what God had given to him. And apparently he trained Cain to be a tiller of the ground. We know in the process of time, Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices before the Lord. Cain brought the fruit of the ground, Abel of the firstborn of the sheep. God accepted Abel's gift, but not Cain's. Cain, the Bible says, was much distressed and his face fell. Listen to this. Oh my goodness. The, the second question that is asked is asked by the Lord again. The third question, it's asked by, Adam, where are you? Cain and Abel, are they've got a challenge. They've got a conflict. Adam, where are you? Watch what happens. The Lord intervenes. He intervenes and he asks this question. He says, Cain, why are you this way? He said, if you do right, you will be accepted. But if you ignore my instruction, sin crouches at your door. Its desire is to overpower you, but you must master it. Adam, where are you? I feel good. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. drink. <laughs> you understand? Adam, when the adversary is casting doubt, where are you? Adam, when your two sons are having a religious conflict. And there is something that is about to transpire that will change the course of the world. Where are you, Adam? The Lord literally intervenes. Nice question that the Lord would ask. Oh, child of mine, why is your countenance, why is it changed? Because that I'm questioning the quality of your sacrifice to me. If you will qualify, if you will do what is right, then there's an open door. But if you rebel, if you take if you take that kind of an attitude, 
into your serving God, it will cause a major problem. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver, and that's not just talking about giving of your tithes and your offerings. It's talking about giving yourself to God. It's about that I, when, listen, when I worship you, God, I want you to know that it is my deepest pleasure and my honor to worship you. I am a cheerful giver, God. And if there's a correction, then you need to intervene. Do it, God, because I don't want to lose my standing with you. Where are you, Adam? You should have learned by now, Adam. Genesis 4, 25, Adam knew his wife again. She bare a son, called his name Seth. For God has given me another son in place of Abel, whom Cain killed. Genesis 5, 3, Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own image. After his likeness, called him Seth. Verse 26, and to Seth was born a son, who he called Enos. Listen carefully. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Let me use my imagination here and suggest that maybe Adam had learned a few things in the first 130 years of his life. He had learned from his mistakes. Here's... GK words of wisdom. Mistakes are important, so get it right the first time. He had 105 years to train Seth in the way he should go. Hold on. At 105, Seth has Enos, and something extraordinary happens. Men begin to call on the name of the Lord. Every commentary that you will pick up will say this. That means that there began to be a group of people that would call on the name of the Lord. Yahweh, Jehovah, whatever name that Adam was, that, that God revealed to Adam. And it means that they begin to pray and worship in a public gathering. Men begin to separate themselves one from another. Spiritual warfare between good and evil was all out. Adam was learning. He had a hundred, he had a hundred and five years that he put into Seth. What was he doing? He was teaching him from the mistakes that he had learned in that hundred plus years. A family revival was about to break out for a period of about 700 years. A great religious movement that would give birth to Enoch, Methuselah, and Noah through the lineage of Seth. Listen carefully. Adam has another 700 years to influence his family through Seth. Oh. Whoa. You understand? Adam fell in the garden. He wasn't there when he was supposed to. He wasn't in the place that God planted him when he was supposed to. He wasn't there for Cain and Abel when he should have been. And he learned from those things. And now we are seeing that the Bible says after a hundred years and Seth was brought into the world that men began to separate Cain had been a vagabond, a marked vagabond by God. He had dispersed to another part 
of the world wherever they begin to build things and to produce things that would take the place of that, of that gap that they did not have in God. You can read it if you would like. Adam's got another 700 years. What has Adam learned? He has learned the obedience of God's word, Seth. I can, I can almost see him and hear him sitting by the campfire. Seth, I want you to know, he says, I want you to know God really did say it, son. God really did mean it, son. He really did say it. He really does mean it. He has learned that guilt and shame that sin brings. Seth, don't go there, son. Hello, dads. He has learned of the requirement for blood atonement to cover one's sins. Has he not? He has learned God expects us to bring him a sacrifice according to to His command, our best, my best, your best is not good enough unless it is of the highest quality that God is deserving of. He don't deal in leftovers. He don't deal in cake and ice cream. He deals in your heart. He deals in the fullness of what you have to offer Him through your very life. He has learned how important a right attitude is and where a bad attitude can lead you. Attitude is so much of serving God, just part of life. That's something I've struggled with for many, many, many years. Having that attitude. I, they, I probably shouldn't say it. Put me in the drunk tank one time. Not for being drunk, because I contempt of court. They threw me in the clinker, and they put me in the drunk tank. I said, well, Bill Sider says, well, why are you put, why? There's nobody in here with me. Why are you putting me here? He says, no, it's because I don't like your attitude. I didn't even know I had one, son. But it must have been a pretty good one. Oh, come on, folks. When it comes to God, you better have the right attitude. You better, you better make sure that when you offer Him, when you offer Him praise, it ought to be your praise and not just a, a you know, a mimic or going through. When you give God His worship, that He's, you might as well give it to Him because that's what He wants from you. He knows your heart. He knows what you're giving to Him. He knows if it's from deep down in your soul or whether you're just showcasing. Adam was alive during the lifespan of all seven of the named generation, including Enoch. Adam and Enoch shared 300 years of life together. So that from Adam, you realize that there was about 1,600 years before the flood from creation to the flood. Adam filled 900 plus years of that. So that from Adam, listen, we're talking about that he shared from Seth to Enos to Jared to Mahal on down the line and even Enoch. By the time they got to Enoch, let me... By the time they got to Enoch, that family was on fire. So that from Adam they might receive a full and satisfactory account 
There's a reason why he lived to 900 years. Hey, Adam. I'm right here, son. I'm right here. Grandson. Grand, 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 grandson. But they could go to Adam when they had a question of creation or the garden or, yes, the fall and the promise. And those divine precepts which concerned religious worship and life and if any mistake was made, they might have recourse to him while he lived so that they could make the necessary corrections in their walk with God. In Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam, godliness in an ungodly world would reach its highest point. And Enoch walked with God and God took him. You think that just happened? It took years to build up that kind of a relationship. Listen to this. Enoch was so far ahead of his day in Jude 14. And Enoch also the seventh from Adam prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment upon all to convince all that are ungodly among them of all of their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all the ungodly words spoken against him. In other words, by the time they got to Enoch, I want you to know that Enoch, he was, he was a walking evangelist. He was a walking evangelist. He was a walking prophet preacher. And Adam got to spend somewhere. Oh, fathers, what kind of an influence do you have on your kids? And this, and then Methuselah comes. His name means when he dies, he cometh till judgment time. God did not withhold prophecy from that family. God didn't hide what he was going to do from those godly people that were living for him. No, when Methuselah was born, his name meant that, keep your eye on this guy, because when he dies, judgment's coming. Second Peter 2.5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. You know where Noah come from? Family of Seth. Accidentally, Noah found grace in the, yeah, no, no. Noah was just walking down the street one day and he found grace. No, 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 no. It came from, he was one of many, many generations that had the words and the principles and, and the lifestyle that it had been handed down by Adam to seven generations plus. That war went on for about 1,600 years until the flood. As you stand with us this morning, where are you, Adam? Where are you? Are you attending the place God planted you? Spiritually. You all got to listen. Sometimes I, I, sometimes I think you get the misconception that 
I'm the only one that's called. <laughs> no, sir. You're all called. And especially, fathers, it's your day. Pat yourself on the back, okay? All right, but beware. Because guess what? You have been called to lead. You are the called one, the head of your family. Thank you, Brother Woods, for saying those words earlier today. The problem with society in general and with America in particular is that where are men that are men? Where, where are you, Adam? Are you busy looking at the trees that are attractive or are you tilling the ground that God put you in responsibility of? Are you there when the adversary who works very diligently in the school and education systems and in the corporate world, are you there when they cast doubt? Did God really say that? Are you there to stand in the gap? Are you attending to your walk with God? How many days did Adam and the Lord have together before the fall? How many days did, did, did the Lord show up and, and they would walk around in that garden and that God would compliment that, that man on how he was doing and give correction when correction was needed and how's the wife, how you treating Eve? Adam, how's things going? Where are you? Are you, oh, come on, dads, are you giving that attention to your walk with God? Because that is the most critical and the most important thing that you will ever do with your life. There is no secondary opportunities when it comes to your walk with God. Did God really say it is a life and death situation? Yes, it is. Come on. How's your countenance today? When you lifted up your heartfelt praise to God, what was your countenance? What was the heart? What was the heart saying? You know, you don't have to speak the words. Hannah, the Bible says that, that she spoke, she, she prayed from her heart, but her lips did not move. Here's the good news. It's okay. Your father, Jesus. He is your counselor. He is the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. And on a bad day, He will show up on your walk to Emmaus, wherever that is. He will show up on your walk. He will make an attempt to intervene on your behalf and change your sad countenance with a revelation of who he is, that he is not dead. He is your heavenly father. There are no failures in him. He has no imperfections. He has never failed you. He will never fail you. Come on, that's good. He's your counselor. He's my everlasting father. Where are you, Lord? I'm right here. Where are you, Jesus? I'm right here. Where are you? I'm, I'm here. 
Where? I'm right here. We don't know necessarily the name that was revealed to Adam and those generations prior to Moses. We don't know, but I can tell you one thing here today, all right? The name of Jesus is the only name that you will ever, 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 that you will ever have to understand. It's the only name. It is the only name. You speak forth his name and you give him your sacrifice. He's going to be there for you. Where are you? You know how much that speaks to me? Where are you, Jesus? allow that adversary to start casting doubt on your young people or whomsoever. You better, you better stay, you better be there. You better stand in the gap of the woods. You better be there. You better come against that with all the glory and the power of the name of Jesus and his word. Yes, he really did say it. There can be revival in your family. There can be revival in your family. You may be like Adam and really messed up a few times. Well, that's okay. There's a new start. You can have revival in your family. You can be the leader of a Holy Ghost outpouring in your family. You can be the key. You can be the key. to starting a movement. A movement. You say, preacher, you can't. Come on. Oh, really? I believe it can be done. Would you come this morning? We're going to open the altar here. Father's Day. God bless you, fathers. I hope I hope this message has touched your heart. I hope that it inspires you and motivates you and encourages you, not just the fathers, but each and every one of us young people. I want you to know that the Lord is asking the same question to you. And when He sees you showing up to your morning devotions, when He sees you showing up to a worship service, Trust me, he knows it. He knows it. He knows it. Jesus, and he knows Jesus, Jesus. And he knows when you're not really there, when you're not really there. He knows. But he's saying, hey, you got it. You got a father that lives forever. <laughs> he lives forever. Hallelujah. If you need special prayer this morning, we're here. If you need a miracle. We're here this morning to help pray with you and call upon the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. If you need special prayer, if you come right down here to us, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I will give you all. I will give. If only what you ask of me, I will not withhold. If my sacrifice is less than giving you my very best, I remember Calvary's cross and be willing. To say yes, I will give you all. I will give you all. If all 
day, Lord. Let your mercy fall. Let your mercy reign, Lord. There is a God who loves me, who wraps me in his Is a place 
take me to the place, Lord, to that secret place where God, I can be with you. With you. Let me be like you. You can make me like you. Wrap us, Lord. Wrap us, Lord. Take me to your heart, God. Take me to your place, Lord. Let me worship God. Let me bring my prayer, Lord. Let me bring my sacrifice, God. Let me bring my family before you today, Lord. Oh, yes, that place, Lord. To that secret place where I can be with you. You can say Adam and Eve were the first runaways, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. All right. We're going to pray and be dismissed. And I hope that you enjoy. Amen. You enjoy this day. Those that uh, still have fathers living, I hope you make contact with them. Amen. And tell them that you love them. Right, amen. We're gonna ask, where's our birthday lady? Right there, sister. Amen. Sister God. birthday, Marlene. Would you pray and dismiss us, please?
I have programmed in it on the phone for it to do. So it already, it naturally goes to the natural piano, right? I don't like the natural piano. So I have put it under A2. And it goes to piano, electric piano strings, and chorus. So channel one is just your straight piano sound. Okay, but then I like to mix a little electric with it. So I mix it too, it softens up the sound a little bit. So if you want a brighter sound, crank the first knob. And then if you just want that really just kind of not as pointed piano, you can go to the second track. But then I like to fill in the chorus. So this is that's where you bring in the chorus with it, and then this is the orchestra. So 